Hello and welcome to another episode of the Transportation Exchange Podcast presented by Rush Truck Sands of Canada. I'm your host, Jason Cuddy, and on today's episode, we welcome back James Menzies, who's the editor of Today's Trucking and Trucking News. James, welcome back. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> yeah. So we are we're continuing with our tradition of kind of seeing what we got right, what we got wrong. Um, but I think this year has been a lot calmer than last year. I think we were way off last year when we, we did this half year in review, but we want to do an overview of kind of where we are in 23 so far so that we bring you back in, kind of get your feedback. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? What have you been writing about? And, uh, and what's kind of stated the industry as a whole as we are you know, approaching the halfway part of 23. So I guess we'll start off where we normally start off, kind of the leading indicator of most of the industry is the trailer side. What uh, what's what are you seeing in, in that, that part of it? It's amazing how quickly things change in this industry, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Last time we were talking, uh, freight was going gangbusters and, and everyone was raking in record profits, and, and that certainly is not the story today. Correct. But, um, you know, for trailer manufacturers and, and truck manufacturers as well, they, they may have the opportunity to kind of sail right through this slowdown because there was so much pent-up demand. Um, trailers right now, uh, manufacturers are sold out for, for the year, and they're hesitant to start taking orders for 2024 just because they're still a little bit uncertain as to what the input costs are going to be in the, on those trailers and, right. and how difficult it will be to get parts. The good news is it sounds from the manufacturers like it's improving. That's good. Um, yeah, they are getting parts more easily. Some of those uh, price increases that we saw going through the roof have, have leveled off. If not, if not come back, at least they've, they've leveled off. And uh, fleets are starting to get the trailers that they've ordered. So they're starting to refresh the fleet, which, of course, is, is great for, for safety and um, efficiency for those fleets. Uh, a lot of them were, were extending the life of the trailers any way they could. Right. Um, and some of them were becoming de facto trailer <laughs> manufacturers themselves and rebuilding units just to keep them on the road for a little while. So I think there's a little less desperation there on the trailer side, which is good. And, and for the trailer manufacturers themselves, they continue to be busy just because of that pent-up demand. Yeah, no, good point. And we're starting to see, and we'll touch class eight and medium duty in a second, but we're starting to see that too, as, as an OEM, even on the truck side is, mm-hmm. you're not getting those crazy delays like you used to, right? So things are getting delayed, 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 delayed. Stuff's still out. The lead time is, like, I agree, it's about a year. Like if you're mm-hmm. to order kind of anything at this point, it's probably a minimum of a year to, to get something built to spec for you. Um, but anything that's kind of on order, I agree, is rolling in. Uh, it doesn't seem to be getting delayed as much as it used to. It was, you know, it was constant, right? <laughs> and then yeah, the surcharges seem to have calm down as well. So I think everything's leveled out that way. But to your point, I think a lot of the OEMs we're seeing for 24 pricing haven't really locked in anything yet because nothing's too sure. And, you know, as we roll and say to the class eight side, I think a large part of that on the class eight side is really the, uh, what is carbon act doing with regards to emissions and what are the OEMs going to have to meet in order to, you know, be able to sell equipment at 24 and then how do you price that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So, you know, for, for class eight, I guess that's part of what we see, but what, what's, what are you hearing again on the class eight side? Yeah, much the same. <clears throat> and it's interesting to hear what, um, what you're saying because you're on the front lines yeah. <laughs> as, as a dealer and, um, you know, the same thing, people are finally getting those orders that they've been waiting on for so long and they're refreshing their fleet to where they want it to be, which of course drives down operating costs. So trucks are coming in. I, we were at Expo cam uh, just a few weeks ago and talked to some of the dealers there and, and some of the manufacturers that um, that had uh, corporate people there, and they were all saying the same thing. They haven't seen this mass wave of cancellations that everyone was worried about when right. the industry slowed down. So the demand is, is steady, and um, it's, it's pent up, and the Class 8 trucks are virtually sold out through the year, and then we'll see what 2024 brings. But uh, there seems to be a thinking that uh, there's going to be a healthy appetite for new trucks in, in 2024 as well. So if this is um, certainly a freight recession, but if it is a broader recession, it's really hard to, depends on how you define it. Uh, it's not so bad for truck and trailer manufacturers. 
Agreed. And I, 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 what we're seeing, I think that pent up demand kind of hides that recession piece, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to have, you know, fleets that couldn't get, if they replace 50 trucks a year, for example, they get 30, right? So they still have, they're behind, right? right. Or they extended their maintenance cycles. They normally replace every three years. Now they've moved it to five. Well, they'd like to get, bring that back. So there's still, even if the market is soft, there's still a demand for them to, to replenish some of their fleet for stuff they couldn't get, right? And obviously, yeah. you get into the smaller fleets, guys, one or two trucks, they couldn't get anything for the last couple of years. And right. usually, those those guys run trucks a lot longer, right? They're not replenishing every four to five years. They're traditionally running those things for seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. And now that truck you wanted to run for eight years is now 11 years old, and it's killing you in maintenance because the thing's just, it's just old, right? Yeah. That's just so, but you haven't been able to get one for three years. So, All right. Even if the market is soft, they still need a truck to, to run their business, even if the business isn't, you know, running at 100% capacity kind of thing. So, yeah, and, and fleets might come out of this looking a lot different than they traditionally did because they were yes. doing everything they could do to get trucks, Agreed. including straying outside their traditional normal OEM suppliers and dealers. So yes, um, you might you might see that uh, some manufacturers have made some interesting conquests or or that you have some fleets that were traditionally one brand that now have a mix of brands. It'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Yeah, and we've definitely seen that from our side. You know, customers that maybe were exclusive to what we do um, by the nature of just availability um, had to had to go outside of, you know, one brand, right, and get other ones involved. Um, but even from a spec point of view, sometimes it's like, you know, I normally run this spec. It's like, okay, well, here's what I have. Fine, I'll take it. It's, it's 80% of what I need. It'll still move freight. It's just, you know, maybe it's whatever, whatever the setup is. But you're going to have some really, yeah, the fleets that normally have a very unique kind of unified um you know, visibility out there may, may look a little different over the next few years as things kind of cycle through their their fleet, right? Um, right. For, for that reason. Fleet buyers like what they like and yes. they like what they're familiar with. So they've had to step outside their comfort zone a little bit and it will be interesting. There, there might be some, um, they might have discovered some new suppliers or some new technologies that they hadn't been familiar with before. Yeah, and part of it came back to the parts availability, right? Hey, normally they run with a certain type of wheel or a certain type of something in the vehicle well, that's not available yet put you into something else, right? Or or try a totally different product uh, because that's how it, this vehicle is going to come. So it's it's changed a lot, a lot of that for, for everyone, right? And even the buying process, you know, normally there's a traditional buying cycle. Okay, you know, you put out a tender in, in, in the beginning of the year, close it out after a couple of months for trucks to arrive, you know, three to four months later. Well, like that hasn't happened in about three years, right? right. So even the procurement cycle has is, is thrown a lot of these guys off, unfortunately. Right now, it's kind of sometimes us coming to, to them and saying, I have 10 of these. Do you want them? Mm-hmm. Right. Kind of and thing. are they generally saying yes, please? I think most guys have taken them, what they can take, as long as it fits within their wheelhouse. But not many have, have shied away because it's kind of like, this is what we have. You know, right. the problem is that they're, they're popping up at times that don't meet their buying cycle, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of companies are, you know, they're publicly traded companies. They have certain, you know, criteria they have to meet and it's just not landing in the budget time. Like, you know, yes, I know I need to 10, but I don't have my budget till October. Mm-hmm. And you're asking me in May and I, I don't have... I won't have approval till October, right? Yeah. But I have to make a decision. So there's, there's been a lot of those parts that puts them in a tough spot, but most of them have, have been nimble where they can and they found ways to kind of talk to their senior management or, or to the board and say, look, not how we like to run, but here's how we have to do it to keep the, the fleet going. Otherwise, we're going to be, you know, we're going to be behind the eight ball from a maintenance point of view. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the trucking industry, you see a lot of versatility, a lot yes. of rolling with the punches. That's not something that they're, they're not accustomed to. So they're able to adapt pretty well. Yeah. And then medium duty, I, you know, very similar, I think, to class eight. I don't think there, there's too much difference of, of what's out there, of what, what you're seeing. No, no, very similar. What, what's interesting in medium duty, of course, we're starting to see the penetration of some electric vehicles. Yes. I, I know you've got the EMV. I got a chance to drive that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun. They're, they're 
fun truck to drive, and that's a great um, it's a great segment for electrification. Um, it's a great way for for fleets to sort of dip their their toe in to see what to expect, um, see what they need from charging infrastructure standpoint and and whatnot. So. Medium duty. I think the most interesting news there is just the, the fact that electrification is here. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a full range of trucks out there that are available. Uh, typically, those duty cycles lend themselves well to electrification. So I think that's the most exciting thing on the medium duty side right now. Agreed. Yeah, and I think from an EV technology point of view, that's that's where it's hitting. Right, the final mile, stay home or stay close to home, uh, inner city runs. You know, something under. 200, 250 kilometers seems to be kind of where that sweet spot is for the initially for the, especially the battery electric vehicle side, mm-hmm. you know, and I think because the charging infrastructure isn't where we need it to be, say across, you know, a province or across the country, then you are kind of tied to coming home every night. Right. right. So I, I think that's what we're seeing. I mean, a lot of different manufacturers, some Canadian manufacturers, obviously mm-hmm. we, uh, we have three product lines that, that will have EV technology. Um, you know, two are at market. One is coming hopefully next year. So everyone's kind of getting on board. Right. Uh, which is nice to see, but yeah, it's, it tends to be that medium duty or a little bit, you know, the, the smaller, you know, class five, six vehicles and smaller where, where I think the sweet spot is for this technology. Yeah, absolutely. And, and getting back to uh, Expo cam there, every show we have now, there are more EVs on the floor yes. <laughs> and these are commercially available trucks. Um, you know, a few years ago, they were, they were concept trucks and yeah. that's no, no longer the case. No. And it's a fast changing technology too, right? Yeah. Like it's, I, I know we've, I've seen some demo stuff of, of stuff that we have coming out, but it's not going to be, you know, in market till next year. And I, I bet it'll change five times before then, you know, in like a six, seven month period, just technology is so fast. Uh, the battery chemistry is changing. The technology for the chargers are always kind of evolving and changing. So it's, you know, and a lot of questions we get from some of the, the customers is how do I know, like this is the right time to get in, right? Mm, Cause okay. it's going to change so fast. And you know, the, the answer is no matter where you hop in, it's going to keep changing. So you mm. kind of, Pick a time that works for you and your fleet and you invest in that part of it and you grow off of that. And then in five to seven years, it might be something different or it might just be a version of what you already have. You know, it's kind of like going back to computers back in the day, right? They change so right. fast, right? But at some point you, you get in yeah, and you just kind of you roll with it. I think, um, you know, the good thing to do is to get in before you have to get in. Yes. Uh, you know, don't wait until they're mandated. <laughs> yeah. Get some experience now and, and get the infrastructure set up because uh, from all the fleets that have, have taken the plunge that, that we talked to, the one common message we hear is that, um, you know, it takes longer than you would think to get that charging infrastructure set up. Yeah. And we've talked about that with, you know, some other uh, episodes where the truck is really the easiest part of the whole thing. Right. In all fairness, it's, it's probably the easiest thing to wrap your head around. It's easy to learn uh, and you can get it fairly quickly. Um, the infrastructure part, everything that leads up to it is really the challenge, right? Is can you get that power into your location? What's the cost to do it? How much work do you have to do to do it? Um, and how quick can you get permits, electricians, everything done? So, you know, you right. could have a truck in four or five months, but it may take you 18 months to get the infrastructure in. Right. Right. And the OEMs have done a really good job at providing more than just a truck. Yes. Um, they can provide the expertise uh, to get that infrastructure set up and, and to help you understand what duty cycles you should deploy these trucks in. So I, I encourage fleets, lean on your OEM experts because uh, they're the ones that, that can really guide you through the whole process. Agreed. And they've usually partnered with some sort of, you know, charging company to at least help get you somewhere. And those companies usually have tie in with infrastructure, you know, municipalities, whatever it is you need. So you're not alone. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, I agree with you. The OEMs have done a good job of partnering and trying to get in front of that too and say, Hey, th- there's more to than just a truck that we want you to be involved with. There's a whole, process leading up to that really needs to happen there's a whole ecosystem and, and interesting you say you're, you're not alone and what i find really encouraging too is that fleets that that have um some experience with this are not hesitant to share what they've learned along the way so yeah. 
you know, we've had conferences and shows and whatnot where, where fleets will share their own experiences and, and help others understand uh, what the realities are of putting this technology into place. What helps? And I, I even see that from the OEMs, you know, they've all, other than one manufacturers, have agreed on a, a charging system as far as, you know, what plug to use, right? right? So little things like that, that just, I think everyone's kind of learning together. And I think behind the scenes, there's a lot of movement between all the OEMs as far as, you know, brain power, you know, guys go from one place to another. So, you know, it's very evolving, but you're starting to see some some gelling as far as, you know, how do we work together to make this thing grow? Because you, you need that infrastructure piece and, and, and lessons learned from early adopters to really fine tune and make it, you know, available to the masses. Yeah, and I think in Europe we've seen OEMs working together to build out the the charging infrastructure because all of their customers are going to need these chargers. Right. And you don't want the six different sets of chargers or six different plugs um, so I think it's encouraging that they're working together because if we're going to get there on the timeline the government set for us, we, we need cooperation. <laughs> yeah, agreed. And, you know, so from the EV side, you kind of go back to the, you know, normal stuff. And you know, we, we had seen previously some challenges in the supply chain and getting parts and availability. And I think going back to what we talked about on the trail side and, and the class eight, I think that's calmed down. It hasn't gone away by any means. There's still constraints. I think we're finding, but it seems to be manageable constraints if that makes any sense yeah yeah that's that's what i'm hearing as well and um again it's good to hear you say that because you guys are fighting that battle every single day mm-hmm. um you know supply chain has has ease uh, we think of it as in terms of parts and trucks and trailers and whatnot but also think about it in terms of how difficult was it to get a bicycle yeah you know everything uh, everything was in short supply everything was backed up and, and that seems have um have been eased a lot uh, now you've got warehouses that are full, right? Because <laughs> and that's the problem. That's affecting freight because a lot of a lot of retailers have um, stocked up. They filled their warehouses, and and then the economy slowed a little bit. People started spending their money on experiences and travel and dining out instead of goods, right? So now you've got full warehouses, and you don't always have the the right types of inventory in those warehouses. So. Uh, we've got to work through that inventory uh, supply. Otherwise, freight is going to continue to be to be subdued because um, right now warehouses are full of stuff that uh, people haven't bought and uh, may not want to buy. So that's got to work itself through the system. Yeah, a good point. And I think part of driving that too, I mean, you're starting to see the, the freight, the, the, the spot market, the numbers come down a bit. And as far as, like you said before, you know, a year and a half ago, things were through the roof. You know, guys were buying trucks left, right, and center just to catch that wave. But I think the wave has kind of crashed a little bit. <laughs> it has. Uh, the spot market has been decimated in terms of volumes and, and especially in terms of rates. And we've seen, especially in the U.S., where they do a lot better job of tracking these numbers, we saw record numbers of new trucking company formations over the last couple of years chasing right. that spot market freight. Uh, now we're seeing a lot of those disappear. I don't think they're absolutely disappearing. I think they're going back and leasing back on with bigger carriers so they have the stability and the the, the contract freight, which hasn't been hit as hard as a spot market or they're um, or they're selling the truck, and you know it's, right now there's still lots of demand for used trucks, True. and then going back as company drivers. So I, I don't think there's this huge exodus of capacity from the industry, but it looks like there's a shift of capacity from these one truck operators out there chasing that hot spot market back to leasing on with with fleets or um, or becoming company drivers. So uh, really, it's a it's a tale of two different uh, markets out there for fleets right now. You got the spot market, which has just been brutal, yeah, and and then you have contract uh, rates, which have held up pretty well. Because shippers learned over the last couple of years how important it is to have capacity when right. you need it and to have those strong relationships with customers. So those rates have been fairly sticky. So the, the carriers that are reliant mostly on contract freight have been doing pretty well. Right. And those that have been chasing the spot market have, have been suffering a, a great deal. And that kind of leads into a, uh, I guess, a hot topic here in, in Canada with regards to, I guess, how you 
acquire drivers in your fleet. There's definitely two models yeah. that are kind of at play. And I think you had a pretty good piece on the, uh, the newer emerging market. And there's opinions on both sides. And, you know, I, I think everyone has their, their view of it. But overall, from an industry point of view, what's the overall takeaway from, I guess, from, from both, both sides of, of what's out there currently? Well, there, there's a war. <laughs> there's a war underway right now when you <laughs> talk about this, this term driver rank, right. um, which was coined by the Canadian Trucking Alliance. You've got your legacy carriers that have a traditional employment model with with their drivers, and then you have a lot of newer carriers in Canada, specifically in Ontario, although it's spreading um, mm-hmm. at Expo Cam again. Talking about Expo Cam, Quebec fleets are all of a sudden starting to feel it because as freight is softened a little bit here, Ontario free, uh, fleets that are built on this um, so-called driver rank model are, are starting to expand into Quebec. We're even hearing about it now in the United States. It's oh, really? got a different term, <laughs> but it's popping up. And basically, the gist of it is. Um, uh, you know they'll blur the lines a little bit about the status of the of the driver um, and have them incorporate and treat them a lot like an owner operator except for they don't actually own the truck. Gotcha. Uh, they're driving company equipment and they're not paying for their own fuel. They're not paying their own insurance and and whatnot. So um, you know it's a gig economy and it's not just in trucking. Um, you know it's in landscaping. It's in construction. Um, Hairstylists. I mean right. it's all over the place. And it's a new way of of work. It's a new way people want to work. Um, and it's really a struggle because, you know, you can you can realistically question, are all those taxes being paid? Are all those deductions being made? Chances are they're not. Otherwise, right. there would be no advantage. Good and, point. And, you know, allegedly there's a 20 to 30% cost advantage to fleets that operate under, under the driver rank model. So there's been very little enforcement um, and there's been very little clarity from government as to whether there will be enforcement. And that has caused this, this battle within the industry between those who think that it's it's okay to, to operate this way and those who don't. Yeah. And I don't see a quick end to it because, um, because government's been meeting with both sides and I think has been telling both sides what they want to hear. And we're really not seeing a whole lot of action on the ground in terms of, of doing anything about it. So yeah. I think at the very least, the government owes the industry clarity, you know? So if it, if it's okay, if there's never going to be an enforcement and it's okay with you, fine, let everyone do it. Yeah. But um, the traditional carriers don't want to go down that path knowing that it's, it's not right. Right. So it's going to be very, that's the story of the year, I think for 2023, specifically yeah. in Ontario. But as I say, it's expanding now, Quebec is really concerned about it. Uh, the United States is seeing their first cases of, of something similar to drive rank. So it's, uh, it's, I think the story of the year and it'll, I don't know how it's going to play out to be honest with you. Fair. It's funny. It seems like we just got e-logs kind of up and running to help yeah. kind of, you know, neutralize all the, the companies. That everyone's playing fair, for lack of better right. words. And then all of a sudden this kind of now is taking over that, you know, you, yeah. you, they, you from an industry point of view, you got everyone on the same plane, level playing foot. And now, you know, it's, it's, it's different again. Right. So and remember I, speed limiters. Yeah. Way back in 2005, <laughs> it was the same thing. It was the same battle with the small fleets right. not wanting to have to use speed limiters. The big fleets were already using them and wanted them to be used by everyone to even the playing field. So yeah, it seems there's always, there's always something. I agree. I think, I think, you know, the government needs to just get some clarity so that everyone knows where they stand and, and you can run your business and plan your business accordingly so that you're competitive, right? Cause obviously to your point, there's a, there's a, a cost advantage to one model. Um, so your operating costs are significantly lower. Uh, one model versus the other, and that's going to reflect in rates and business you can attract. So, it, to be you know, for the market to be fair and, and be competitive, you need to have kind of a level playing field. So, hopefully, you know, maybe this year or into next year, we get some clarity as regards to you know how that's going to look for the industry. I think we'll have to uh, because there's two very organized uh, lobbies now on either right. side of the issue, Good point. and I, I think that they're going to force uh, some kind of resolution. Yeah, no, it makes sense. So, I guess that leads into our 
outlook for uh, the second half of 23? I, I think I mean, we covered most of it, but I guess uh, from a general overview, what uh, what do you think the rest of this year might look like? I think we're going to see mergers and acquisitions really ramp up because valuations were crazy over the last couple of years Correct. because fleets were making record profits. That's no longer the case for most smaller operators. And uh, those valuations have come back to earth. Meanwhile, you have the big traditional buyers uh, of the world that are sitting on lots of cash. Right. Um, so they're in a good position to make acquisitions. And we've already seen a couple in, in recent weeks, but I think there's going to be a lot more to come. Um, also because of the challenging market conditions that, that tend to have more of a, an impact on the smaller fleets. And those are the ones that uh, can typically be, be picked up in, in some kind of acquisition. So I think we're going to see a lot of M&A. As the year goes on, as Alain Badar, the head of Transforce, <laughs> likes to say, you you buy on bad news and you sell on good news. There you go. There's, there's lots of bad news out there right now. Fair. So I think we'll see lots of M&A as the year continues on. Drivers, for the most part, you know, they got some good increases over, over the last couple of years, and I think those have stuck. So drivers are doing okay, which is good to know, good to hear. Um, I talked to a, an accountant friend that specializes in owner-operators and um, and small fleets, and he says they're, they're, they've never made more money than right. they have the last couple of years. Um, now the conditions aren't as strong, but still at least those pay increases tend to tend to stick. So, right. so it's not a bad time to be a driver. Uh, there's still lots of demand for drivers. The the big fleets that uh, they give their outlooks because they're publicly traded say they expect some strengthening towards the end of the year, but not anything drastic. And um, you know, there's just so many unanswered questions. I mean, you've got, you've got <laughs> right now, you know, in the United States, there's there's political uncertainty. There's a conflict throughout the world. There's just so much that can happen that can throw the economy uh, askew you know, at, at a minute. So, um, you know, we didn't predict that we'd be here six months ago. And I think it's very difficult to say with any certainty where we're going to be six months from now. Agreed. Agreed. But a good point. Like you said, but with the market, the way it is, you know, emerging acquisitions, I agree, you know, could, could be a leading trend for the second half of the year because the, yeah, the evaluations were through the roof because everyone thought, you know, their, their product was worth everything. Their fleet was worth everything because you couldn't get anything. But obviously now, as things are available and markets have kind of softened a bit, it's it's probably back to more realistic number to take a look at. So yeah, it feels like it feels like the industry is normalizing, mm-hmm. um, and fleets have finally, as we said before, have gotten some of that new those new trucks and trailers that they were waiting on. So they've been able to refresh their fleet, get back to sort of a more normal trade cycle. Yeah, and um, you know, I I think that we're just seeing a normalization through the rest of the year. Hopefully, not too high, not too low, and, and maybe just give everyone a chance to. to Take a breather. Agreed. No, oh, good point. Well, we'll uh, we'll touch base in December and see how right we were on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so excellent. Well, hey, look, thank you for coming in today and giving us uh, an update of, of kind of where we are so far and an outlook of where we might be headed. So I appreciate you, you coming in and taking time. Thank you, Jason. Always nice to catch up. Excellent. All right. Well, that concludes today's episode. I want to thank James from Today's Trucking for joining us. To catch up on past episodes, check out transportationexchangepodcast.ca. And until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.